Hey, 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 it's Steven, your host for the Black Doctors Podcast. Today I'm going to be on the line with Dr. David Roiney, a general surgeon who specializes in robotic surgery. Let's get Dave on the line. What's going on, brother? Dr. Roiney, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the Black Doctors Podcast, which features our stories told by us. Sounds good, man. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. So, Dr. Roiney, he's a general surgeon. I actually get to work with this guy um, at my current practice. Um, amazing surgeon. Tell us about your current job and the roles you perform as an attending general surgeon. Uh, so, I am a staff general surgeon, uh, Dr. David Roney. Um, I do general and robotic uh, surgery. I'm one of the newer surgeons, so uh, I tend to try and stick to the robot quite a bit. Uh, I do abdominal wall reconstruction, as well as acute care general surgery with some breast cancer and other cancers mixed in. But for the most part, uh, my daily duty is doing surgery and teaching residents. I'm one of the residency faculty. That can be trying at times, because it means that I have to I'm a new attending. I want to do my own cases, but I got to go ahead and uh, make sure I take a step back and I'm giving back to the next generation by teaching our residency program. Uh, one thing that's been incredibly clear to me is that kind of the better clinician you are, the better you're able to teach. So one of the first times I worked with uh, Dr. Roney in the OR, I was impressed by how quickly he set up the resident for success. I think it was a, a lap coley and he set it up let the resident take over, fix their mistakes, but let them do a, a large portion of the case. I was very impressed by that. It testifies to his skill as a, as a surgeon. So first off, let me say thank you by saying that, by the way. <laughs> um, so, so specifically, this robot, man, you know, it, it's fairly new. I don't know how new it is. I think it's new. Could you speak to robotic surgery and how that's come onto the field, how it's changed the, uh, the game in surgery? So robotic surgery, um, so minimally invasive surgery, general surgery is like very fellowship heavy, right? And nobody truly wants to be a true general surgeon. I mean, you do everything anymore. I'm still one of those people that likes to do everything. But robotic surgery sort of takes um, the minimally invasive surgery with laparoscopic surgery, with lap coli is one of our most common procedures that we do in the world. Uh, and it makes... It a little bit easier on you. It increases your longevity because you're sitting down. You get better visualization because I have 3D visualization and 10 times magnification. Uh, and the ergonomics is better. Uh, robotics is a way for me to save my back, save my neck, and while wow, giving me great visualization. Plus, I get to use my hand. It takes, it's got a high learning curve, right? So most people, it's hard for them to translate laparoscopic, which is a straight sort of stick approach where you're like t-rex and everything versus robotic where i get to move my entire wrist and it's almost like playing a video game yeah well you do a good job of making it look uh look easy i might have to get on the sticks one of these days right, so <laughs> if you want to get on the on the uh da vinci man i'll take you through uh they even got a lab where you can actually peel a, uh the skin off a grape and suture it back um that's that's awesome so i want to hear more about your story, man, I've seen bits and pieces of it on your Twitter, some of the things that you've dealt with in your past. But starting from the beginning, you know, whatever you're comfortable with sharing, talking about how you uh, came up and, and ended up in, in college. 
so uh so one uh i gotta give all praise to uh the lord above because i, I shouldn't i actually shouldn't even be here right so uh originally I was born in hawaii um to a father who was uh in the marine corps at the time uh my mom uh was originally from compton california so uh we bounced around for a little bit ended up in california and then my dad sort of pieced out on us, right? Never saw him again, uh, barely heard from him. I don't even talk to him today. I have no uh, relationship with him. But basically what ended up happening is um, all our financial troubles been are, went magnified. We moved out of my grandmother's house in Compton, California, where I was being raised, where I love still. Uh, and we just bounced around. I we probably moved about 30 times when I was a kid oh, wow. um, and every situation got worse. My mom was uh, unfortunately had bipolar disorder and she would go on and off her medicine and then she would end up in hospitals, mental institutions. And it was a lot of sketchy type situations. Um, the worst of it really for me is when we ended up and now granted, I love Oakland, but we ended up in a homeless shelter out there. And so my mentality was shaped by a couple things. First was when my, uh, my biological father left um, and I had to become the man in the house, even though I was a younger uh, sibling of me and my brother. And then when we got to the homeless shelter, uh, my mentality sort of got uh, shaped a little bit more uh, when we had we literally we were living in a car for a couple months and then we went to a hotel, living in a hotel. We got couldn't pay the bill anymore, got kicked out the hotel. They took all of our stuff, right? Kicked us out on the street. And all we had was the clothes on our back. So we showed up to the homeless shelter. Thank God we got a spot because we waited all day. Got a spot in there, uh, homeless shelter for women and children. And the next day, um, like my mom went to like the social worker, whoever it was, and was like, hey, you know, we don't really have any clothes. We don't have underwear. We don't have any of this. And they're like, oh, you know, we're handing out all this stuff later in the day. So it's like we waited around in the auditorium with everybody else. And they came in with like, it was almost like garbage bags full of stuff. And they just threw all their clothes on the floor. And it was like a frenzy trying to pick this stuff up, man. And I remember just standing there uh, like, man, I ain't picking no clothes up off no ground, man. I, 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 like I didn't, I was in elementary school. I think I was in, might've been third grade, third, fourth grade. No, yeah, fourth grade. Uh, or about to go to fourth grade, and my mom looked at me and was like, man, you know, you can't be too prideful. And then I sort of said it in my head, like, never again. I'm not going to be, when I get older, I'm not going to be in this situation. And so I just kept sort of focused, and uh, I went through a lot of anger and stuff like that. Because we, I mean, I, I went through quite a bit. I mean, I almost lost my life at that point was uh, my uncle was doing some crazy stuff um, in Oakland with some drugs and whatever. And, uh, he had stole some stuff and a drug dealer showed up at our house and I opened the door and it was a shotgun right in my face. And uh, the guy was supposed to shoot me. Um, and he did cause he realized he, I guess he got second thoughts. Right. So he was supposed to shoot me in the face. My mom stepped in front of him and then, uh, refused to back down from him. And the only reason why they spared our life is cause they said my mom had heart. Um, so we went back to SoCal uh, finally started getting on our feet. My mom's doing a little bit better. She's sort of working and she's working her tail off, man. Two, three jobs at a time. Me and my brother start to do a little better. And then um, we finally made it to Long Beach. And me and my brother was sleeping on the floor in a one bedroom apartment. My mom had this boyfriend that really wasn't great. Um, and 
while they had the room, me and my brother are sleeping in the living room on the floor, trading off on the couch, yada, yada. And we did that for years, man. And uh, I used to walk to school every day uh, when I was in uh, Long Beach. Uh, it'd be about a mile and a half. And I was uh, I started doing like some after school programs because my mom wanted me to sort of get out the house. And uh, I uh, happened to get up with a uh, Brazilian like or African drum, whatever, uh, team type stuff. And the guy uh, who was teaching the class just happened to live behind me in, in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so he knew, he had sort of seen me in a situation me and my brother were in where we didn't have no electricity, stuff like that. And uh, he just randomly was like, hey, you want to go play basketball one day? So I went to play basketball. I had never really played basketball all of my life. And I went up there and I got freaking embarrassed, man. It was bad, right? And this was at a time where, like, the park, I just happened to be in a neighborhood where we had a lot of, quote-unquote, very good basketball talent. Uh, There's a lot of guys who played that park, ended up in the NBA, uh, All-American, stuff like that. And I couldn't get on the court, and it pissed me off. And so when we went back, um, he actually just gave me the basketball. Right. Just flat out gave it to me. I was like, hey, can I borrow your basketball? And he was like, you have it. And so from then on, every day I would uh, go back to that park. I practice dribbling. I practice shooting. So eventually I got I worked hard enough and uh, I ended up being a pretty good basketball player in high school. So I started to recruit it. But then uh, my junior year, I broke my wrist, Uh, broke it pretty bad to the point that the orthopedic surgeon was like, ain't no way you playing uh, basketball. He actually told my mom. I'll never play again. Um, so, again, with the uh, people telling me I won't do something, so I went ahead and I, I did my own physical therapy because we couldn't afford it, right? Wow. Um, did my own physical therapy, taught myself how to, like, really bend my wrist again. I had I came up with ways to be able to dribble the ball, stuff like that. And slowly but surely, I started getting my strength back in my hand and my wrist. I started playing basketball again. But then my mom got sick for like the real final time, right, where she could not function anymore. And it was because of uh, actually a new attending in psychiatry decided he knew more about bipolar disorder because he just got out of uh, residency. Now he's in this inner city neighborhood and he took my mom off lithium bicarbonate. If you know lithium bicarbonate, you can't just go off cold turkey, right? You have to wean off. And he just took her off and she had been on it for 30 years at that point, right? And so it sent her in this tailspin, and then um, and she never recovered for it. Like, she never was herself ever again after that. Um, and one day, I got a, like, I noticed some changes started happening. Um, she had, like, a seizure. And then the next day, she tried to kill herself. And then I went back and forth to the hospital. And then I get a call. I'm in my AP history class. My junior year, I get a call saying, hey, from my grandmother, who I asked to come help saying, hey, I'm going home. Your mom is tripping. And she just, she left. I'm like, what do you mean she left? Oh, man. And she just took off, right? And so I I immediately went back to class. was like, hey, you know, I don't feel good. was like, and tried to head to the nurse's office. In reality, what I did was I just walked right out the front gate. And I went and looked for my mom. I dropped my stuff off at home. And I went and looked for my mom. And uh, because of, like, the bus system, I had to walk majority of the way. My school at the time was, I think, like, close to three, four miles away. I walked the entire way, got home, then I went out and found my mom, um, and then I just stayed home. So I ended up missing the second semester of my junior year. 
I think I might have went to 10 days of class. So then senior year, um, the school was actually going to expel me. And uh, I luckily, I played basketball, right? So there was a school that needed my talent. And they happened to be a private school. So, you know, they make their own rules essentially back then. Um, So they let me go. And then they let me take eight classes at a time, right? Because I had to make up those junior classes while I was a senior. So I'm taking all those classes. and, And then I started, like, running cross country, and I'm trying to play basketball. So then I started getting recruited, and then, uh, long story short, I ended up at uh, committed to the Naval Academy. Oh, so got to the so, Naval Academy. Hang on, hang Go on. Ahead. You you went to this uh, private school as a junior or a senior? So I I technically wasn't allowed to transition to my senior. If I was in public school, I would not have been allowed to transition to my senior year. And, and in just two years, you were athletic enough with cross country and basketball that you got recruited like that. Yeah, so I was getting a little, I was getting recruited uh, a little bit, but then like it, it really took off when I I went to that prep school or a private school because uh, I I sort of realized I had to get out of my situation and that was my way, right? Mm-hmm. So then I I was playing at a camp and then everything just started clicking. All my athleticism, my basketball IQ, all of it just came together at the right time, and then I started standing out and I started getting more and more exposure, and then. Um, so the Naval Academy uh, started recruiting me, and I actually didn't know anything about the Naval Academy. Matter of fact, I didn't know anything about the Naval Academy really till I went to the Naval Academy prep school, where uh, they started telling me about the prestige associated with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever that means. But uh, for me, when the coach came through and he was like, "Hey, you know, uh, we're gonna guarantee you a salary, right?" I'm gotta remember, I'm poor, right? They're guaranteeing me money. When I graduate and guaranteed job, I was like, man, I'm all on it. Then he mentioned that my mom would have guaranteed health care. Man, it was over with. with that. I committed without even seeing the campus. Right. Um, and that was that wasn't like a popular decision. Right. Because I, I could have I could have actually spaced out my recruiting, going on a bunch of visits. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like the securing my future was a big thing. Yeah. The year before my brother. um had joined the army because even though he was smart, got into a bunch of colleges, we couldn't afford anything. So he was just like, man, I'm getting out of here and I'll figure out my own way to pay for it. So he took off and went to the army. He actually helped pay for my private school for me to graduate uh, my senior year. Right. So then I get to the Academy. I'm playing. uh, I went to prep school first, uh, did well. There was uh, the MVP, did a bunch of other stuff. was on the honor roll, Dean's list. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Get to the Academy. And man, that's like when I first started like really re- uh, experiencing racism. It was freaking crazy. My first two weeks there at the academy, I got sat down and told that they were going to make sure that I didn't make it there. Wow. Right. I got told that uh, uh, I was I had worked my tail off um, during like uh, NDOC the uh, year before that at the Naval Academy Prep School. I, I was like tired. I'm like, yeah, man, finally, like I worked hard today. I'm got a smile on my face i had uh got one of the rare hot showers there at the uh, naval academy prep school and i'm walking back to my room right down in peeway and they go uh you're not slumming down in uh uh down my peeway this isn't uh the hood anymore uh mission mccann and roni and i'm like bro i'm like and i almost lost it for a second but then i realized i ain't had nowhere to go because i was homeless at that time too man like so I told them at the academy that I wasn't going anywhere because I had nowhere else to go. 
right? I had nothing to go back to. When I left uh, to go to training on the East Coast, right, uh, for Naval Academy Prep School, my mom got sick again while I was in training. So no cell phone at that time. This is back then. And mail is slow, right? And Because we didn't get mail like that first week. And come to find out, I can't get even get a hold of my mom. I start calling the uh, the uh, phone numbers, calling around, asking my grandma, yada, yada. Turns out my mom then got evicted. All my stuff is gone again, wow. right? So then my mom's uh, with my grandmother. I'm at the Naval Academy. Things are going, right? I'm playing basketball. And then I have to have surgery my, uh, my freshman year because I had tore my ankle up. And I played the first season with no ligaments on my lateral side. So I'm going, I'm trying to uh, do well, and then come to find out, like, um, all these, like, headaches I had been having before were actual migraines, and then they put me on medicine. It was like, it was a nonsense, right? So I'm finally going through. Uh, while I was at the academy during police summer, they make you tests, right, to see how smart you are for each subject. Yeah. So I tested out of chemistry, right? Uh, which was abnormal, right? Chemistry was, like, the hardest class at the academy. Everyone... Most people didn't do well. So I'm in, I picked my classes and I started, they asked me, they set me up with an advisor and I was like, hey, you know, um, he was like, do you know, uh, most people who test out of chemistry are pretty smart. It's like, do you consider yourself smart? Like, what are you talking about? Right. And uh, he was like, well, do you want to go to medical school? I was like, what's medical school? He's like, it's how you become a doctor. Yada, yada. And I was like, well, who else going to medical school? And he started telling me people. So I showed up to biology class. I was I, I was a science like geek, right? Um, because I picked that instead of taking like another uh, chemistry course or whatever. And I'm in there with all these like quote unquote pre med folks. So I started looking around, like you know, I'm the only freshman in here in a class full of seniors and juniors. I'm like, man, like I can do this. Like if if I'm in here with them, then I can do this. Like I'm gonna go to med school. So then I started telling people I'm going to go to med school and they started making fun of me. Wow. Right. So again, people telling me I'm not going to do it and I can't do it. So I just kept pushing. Right. I was playing basketball, basketball. I ended up getting hurt again, like just God intervention. Right. Uh, and I stopped playing basketball, but like I had like a transition period where I was running track and playing basketball at the same time. I stopped playing basketball and just ran track. And uh, during that time, I got forced to switch my major by the basketball team from chemistry to applied mathematics, right? Which was fine for me. I love chemistry, but I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. Like I said, I was chasing this med school thing. And at the academy, there's no pre-med. So, like, I'm taking, like, 21, 22 credits plus trying to play all these sports, right? And then math was, like, came easy to me, right? So, plus I was having fun, right? So, then I'm running track, doing great. And... Uh, sure enough, like I'm not competitive enough to go to medical school then, but I didn't really want to either. Right. Because I had been a, a quote unquote serious athlete for so long that I just wanted to go and experience life. So I ended up service selecting submarines. And again, here we go with the uh, nonsense. Right. So like I go, I finish one portion of the first portion of my pipeline. And I come in number one in a class and then I go to class up for my second portion. And it turns out I don't, I'm not even in the sub community anymore because the flight surgeon from the Naval Academy didn't submit my medical waiver. Right. Wow. So they just kicked me out without even letting me, letting me know. So what ended up happening is, is I got a call 
Um, I had a top secret clearance. I got a call and they're like, well, do you want to be a, uh, a cryptologist? Right. I had a applied mathematics degree. I'm like, yeah, you know, do I get to do some math? And it's like, yeah, you get to do some cool math. So I went out and did that for four years, including I got a lot of good experience, got to uh, brief a couple presidents, got to uh, sit at the table with some higher level folks, got to learn a lot. Right. I got to work in a think tank doing all that stuff. Um, and I, I did pretty well for myself. So, so well that people were kind of surprised I was leaving to go. I made a decision to leave to go to medical school. Yeah. Cause you, cause you told me a certain president, um, knew you by name. Yeah. 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 So, uh, uh, I got a chance to, uh, do some high level work, uh, for the think tank. And I ended up, uh, getting a little shout out by name, uh, by the, a previous president in the white house. Um, so it was kind of cool, uh, from that standpoint. Uh, and I found that out after the fact, after I got to, um, uh, med school. So it was probably cool. My, cause when I called back to talk to my boss, but, uh, I ended up doing a contingent resignation and they let me out of my commitment, uh, and let me out of my, uh, cryptology community. And, uh, but I sort of got blackmailed into the way of, uh, being able to transfer. So I had to, my CEO at the time during my first command said he wouldn't sign my transfer into the medical corps and my contingent resignation unless I took a deployment to Guantanamo Bay. Hmm. Right. So I get down to Guantanamo Bay. I'm working. And then now they won't let me off the island for more than a week to do my uh, medical school interviews. Right. Wow. So uh, I'm calling around. I get in medical school. I, I get my first interview from the AT Steel University in Kirksville, Missouri. And, uh, so I'm calling these other places, like trying to schedule, see if I can, if I'm even going to get an interview and if they can just do it during that week that I have off. Cause I have a unique circumstance where I'm deployed and, uh, the, you're, you're, you're going to hate this, but like Howard, right? So oh, I'm talking, no. I forgot who the lady was. She called me. It was like, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to give you an interview. Um, call me back. was like, Hey, are you going to the admissions committee or whoever just wants to ask, are you going to take this extra class? I was like, no, I can't. I'm deployed. And then I never heard from him again. Uh, right. And I think I know who that was too. Yeah. So I got off, uh, got off the Island, went for my interview on a Thursday. Right. So I, I took a whole week. I ended up just doing one interview. I interviewed on a Thursday. I flew back to preposition in Jacksonville, Florida, on Friday, that Friday night, the school let me in, uh, let me know that I got in. They rushed my uh, package through to let me know. And I told them then and there I was going to go, right? So any interview I got after that, I canceled all of them and declined them, right? And I got a few after that, right? So it's, it was just interesting. So now I go through medical school. I show up. And uh, the first thing they tell me is, you know, uh, you're going to need a tutor, right? And I was like, well, why am I going to need a tutor? Well, because, you know, African-Americans, uh, especially the males, they need tutors here. And I was like, man, I never used a tutor in my whole life. I ain't going to start right now. Uh, and then at, I was a little arrogant about it. I went out the night before the test and I went out drinking with the second years. Right. <laughs> and then I scored a 98 on the first test. Right. Okay. And then they were like, wow. And then I kept doing it. Right. I kept I, I treated it like a job. Nine to five. Yada, yada. And then I took a couple of days off and they come right back. And then I ended up, I uh, graduated, I think, in like the top 12% of the class or something like that. Had like uh, at the awards banquet, had like 15 awards, something crazy. Um, but I ended up doing well, right? The same people who were asking me how I was doing well were the same people asked, uh, that I was tutoring or helping out with studying for their board exam, right? 
So wow. um, I knew going to medical school, I wanted to be a surgeon no matter what. I just didn't know what type of surgeon. So originally I thought I was going to be a neurosurgeon and I was working hard toward it. And, you know, God intervenes in a certain way. Um, and then I got told, you know, uh, specifically, uh, well, I will never select somebody like you. Wow. And it threw my whole world in a tailspin, right? Cause I had been working, I had made this uh, decision to be a doctor. I had made this decision to be a neurosurgeon at that. And I, I was set up for it. Right. So I scored, uh, well above, uh, the 95th percentile on a USMLE step one and step two. Then I, and I scored above the 99th percentile on, um, uh, complex one. Right. So I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm going to get neurosurgery. I had neurosurgery publications, yada. And then he tells me that. Right. And if you know the Navy, you know that if you don't get certain people to sign off, you're not getting it. Right. So, uh, and he was just flat out. He's like, you can have ortho or general surgery, but mind you, like everybody thought I was going in a, uh, to neurosurgery. So I hadn't even done any other rotations, man, but like neurosurgery related type stuff. Okay. So like my fourth year, I ended up doing a stupid amount of, uh, out rotation, um, and sub eyes to try and figure out what I wanted to do. And then, uh, I put down my choices on the military match and I ended up with my fifth choice, right. Which was, uh, deferred for general surgery. The top four were ortho, right? I, I mind you, I'm at the top of my class. I got high board scores, right? This sounds like an ortho applicant, right? Nah, they pushed me to general surgery. It was a blessing in disguise because I got to train at uh, uh, full deferment uh, for training. And I didn't have to do anything. So I came right back in as uh, a staff surgeon. But now I'm the uh, only African-American uh, surgeon in that department. Right. Yeah. So that can be a little tough. Um, and that's how I got here, man. Like during, during residency, I made an effort to make myself learn the stuff that everybody else didn't like. So like people didn't like robotics. So I went around and learned robotics and I got robotics certified before I left residency. Jeez, man. Yeah. That's, that's, a uh, extremely impressive. And it kind of speaks to your, your work ethic, your, your gifts, your talents, which you practiced at and, and hone those skills. And now, um, I mean, look at you now, man, you're killing it. Sometimes it don't feel like it, man. I mean, uh, uh I, I almost forgot how to use a stapler today. Cause we, cause of all the COVID <laughs> stuff, man. Yeah. And it just took forever. Uh, luckily I didn't talk about it. I mean, I trained in Chicago just like you. Right. So like, yeah. and I trained at Mount Sinai, right. It is, it, it is the, uh, one of the busiest hospitals with the least amount of money. Right. So like I'm used to working in low budget situations and I'm used to heavy volume. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was lucky from that regards. It sucked while going through it because my program was a little malignant. I shouldn't say a little, a lot malignant, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it made me better. Right. Absolutely. And at the same time, like I, I like my goal is to be that, that surgeon that if you are a subspecialty surgeon or whoever, like they're like, oh man, is David in house or Dr. Ronnie in house? And call him to see, have him come take a look. That's what I'm trying to be, man. Yeah. So we're going to segue on to the second thing that I know you for. One, okay, you're always reading. And specifically, recently, you've been reading a lot of financial books. You've been working on, correct me if I'm wrong, like certifications in financial planning. 
and even started a website about that. So why don't you speak about generating um, wealth and your interest in finances? Yeah, so I have a huge interest in finance. The reason why is, man, like I said, I grew up poor. I didn't have any of it. I made every bad financial decision known to man. Uh, and partly is because I had to learn through experience, right? I had nobody really teaching me. My parents didn't really uh, hone like my financial literacy, right? I thought checks were used only for check fraud back in the day. I'm not even gonna lie. That's 100% oh, wow. true, right? So like um, these things I sort of learned by accident. Some of the stuff I learned by accident and by emulating those who were around me, right? So when everybody else was going out getting checking accounts or credit cards, so that's what I did. So I wanted to be part of the crowd and I didn't want to be like the, the weird kid. Right. Um, but like I have a huge passion for finance and financial literacy, health literacy. The reason why is because we don't get it in our community. It's just the reality. Right. So unless right. you come from a, a stable home or you get to see um, like your parents together or you got someone who's successful that you can look to as a role model. Majority of our community doesn't get that, right? They don't know that there's options for them to go to college. They don't know that there's options for them to buy a house. They don't know how to get started in investment. Like these are things um, that I think is important. So like I started the blog because I just wanted to get free information to people out there. The certification thing, I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm still weighing back and forth. I'm probably going to take the course at least so I can set up for it. But basically, my goal with that is to teach people how to manage their money and manage it correctly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, majority of uh, the generational wealth which is created in this country, less than 8% of it is by African-Americans. Wow. That's crazy, right? So like... You and I were physicians, we're surgeons, yada, yada, whatever, right? But then what about our kids? What about our grandkids, right? How, like, who is teaching you how to set up your estate so that your money keeps growing and that they keep benefiting off of it? How much money do you need to keep that snowball effect going, right? These are things that we need to talk about because, in, quite frankly, in my family, money was taboo. I mean, you had to talk about People used to talk about borrowing $20 on the second after getting paid on the first, right, to last the rest of the month. You know what I mean? So, like, these things are important to talk about. We need to really, in our community, we need to take the stigma away from talking about money. Because, to be honest, when I would talk to, like, uh, my non-minority uh, friends, they have no problem talking about money at all. Yeah. Right? At all. They have no problem talking about their portfolios. They have no problem talking about what investments they have, how their parents taught them uh, or bought them an apartment and all this stuff. They have no problem. So why is it taboo in the black community? Yeah. What's, what's the name of your uh, your website? Surgify.com. It's a S-U-R-G-I-F-I.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Surge, or actually Phi Surgy is because somebody uh, uh, snaked my name at the last second. <laughs> and uh, on IG at Surgify. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, which is Surgify. Um, and I put out videos. I put out uh, uh, articles. I try and put out checklists. And to be honest, like uh, I'm in the process of trying to create a course for people to just get basic financial literacy, right? Um, the goal is for us all to eat is what I always say. Uh, we can all win. We can all eat. 
and we can all be successful. We just got to know how to play the game. Amazing. Uh, Dave, man, thanks so much for coming and, and dropping this knowledge, you know, how you went from the streets of Oakland to the freaking Naval Academy, cryptologist, robotic surgeon, definitely have to have you back on so we can speak and pick your brain some more we'll definitely follow you guys uh, be able to spread that contact information for the Sturgify websites and uh, social media pages uh, can't thank you enough for coming on and blessing us uh, definitely feel inspired I know our listeners are going to um, be inspired by what you've said today hey thank you for having me I really appreciate it